I think where AI is particularly helpful is it's going to remove a lot of these repetitive, boring, manual tasks that people should be doing, but they just don't like doing. It takes time. I don't know, I've been in enterprise sales for a long time and we can tell people, hey, read that 10K before you meet with them. Look for like where they talk about digital transformation and then we'll do a training on it, but no one ever does it. Like the reality is maybe, I wouldn't even say 1%, maybe like 0.1% of sellers right. do it. Hi friends, welcome to the WinRate Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Gautam Rishi. And Gautam is one of my guests on this episode of the WinRate Podcast. Gautam Rishi is co-founder and CEO at OneShot.ai, which is an AI-based prospecting platform for revenue teams. Our other guest today for this really lively discussion about sales effectiveness, the buyer experience, and increasing win rates are Usman Sheikh. Usman is founder and CEO at XIQ, which is an AI-based personality-driven sales and marketing platform. And also joining us is Shannon Hempel. Shannon is the leading leadership and coaching expert. Now, one listener note before we jump into today's discussion, I want to remind you to subscribe to my newsletter. Now, join the more than 50,000 sales sellers, individual contributors, sales leaders who subscribe to receive Win Rate Wednesday. Each week on Wednesday, you'll receive one actionable tip to accelerate your win rates and a lot of other great sales advice as well. You can subscribe by visiting my website, that's andypaul.com or you can subscribe by visiting my LinkedIn profile. Okay, are you ready? Let's jump into the discussion. Welcome everyone to this episode of the WinRate Podcast. Uh, another all-star cast here today of guests. So we're just gonna spend a few minutes let people introduce themselves. Uh, Usman, we'll start with you. Yeah, hi um, Andy and team. My name is Usman Sheikh. I'm CEO and founder of XIQ, which is an AI-powered sales and marketing platform. And prior to uh, being at uh, XIQ, I used to be a vice president with SAP, the world's largest B2B software company. Nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you. Okay. Gautam, joining us from London. Thank you very much for you know, joining us late. We're recording this late on a Friday for you, for sure. Yeah, 8 p.m. on a Friday, but it's not too bad. I'm a, okay. a night owl anyway. Yeah, hi, everyone. Gotham, Rishi, co-founder, CEO of OneShot.ai. We're a... AI sales prospecting platform. And prior to starting this two years ago, I spent the last 20 years in B2B enterprise sales, uh, building scaling teams at companies like Akamai, CloudBees, CD Network. So yeah, all things sales. Yeah, that's it. All-star cast. Okay, Shannon. Hi, I'm Shannon Hempel, and I'm founder of Enable Up. I've spent the last 10 years developing enablement functions and programs for sales enterprise SaaS companies. And on the flip side, I love this conversation because I have found myself a buyer. We own a tree service company, and so we are trying to buy software. So I love this conversation because I can see both sides of it when I can figure out why the win rate might not be working for certain salespeople. Yeah. Well, I want to maybe we'll kick off as Gautam, something you had written recently, I don't know, it was maybe this past week is you're saying predictable revenue is over. It's back to full cycle selling. Sellers get back to the lab. So tell us what you meant by that. I think in the last 10 years, maybe five to 10 years, we've just gone through this crazy cycles of growth at all costs and 
tons and unlimited amounts of VC funding. And it's led to just like hugely bloated and spoiled sales teams. You've had one, one-to-one SDRs to AEs. AEs completely just stopped prospecting. There was an expectation that marketing delivered all these leads. And marketing had like huge budgets to spend on acquisition, like ads and trade shows. And then SDRs would like, you know, VC companies were just selling to other VC companies. So there was this like, for years, we had these great times. And now people are looking at bottom line, they're looking at profitability, they're looking at margins and capital efficiency. And now you've got these huge SDR teams, these huge AE teams, and no one's actually delivering on pipeline. Revenue targets are being missed by most companies. So I think what we were seeing, we'll see this big wave of consolidation of sales teams, AEs going back to like selling, actually building their own pipelines, which is the way it should be. And yeah, I think we're seeing it now, right? We're seeing like layoffs happen. I'm not saying layoffs are good. I'm just saying they're, they're in some companies they're needed, right? I think you've got people sitting around doing nothing. So yeah, I think we're back to full cycle AEs, back to selling, back to building your own pipeline. In my opinion, just all really good things that will make you a better salesperson. Yeah. I'd- and Usan, we'll get to you in a second. I just because you're nodding vociferously, but I just, I, yeah, we look at the situation as we've got, from my perspective, the way I look at it is you know, this period where selling wasn't important, right? The only way you could, only statement you could make, because you know, look at SaaS companies, average win rates in the 20s, if not in the teens, and oftentimes, I would, you know, first hand experience working with SaaS companies, win rates in the teens, and yet they were still growing just because they managed to bring a lot of stuff into the top of the funnel. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, to your point, is Gautam is <laughs> no one knew how to sell. And so when times get tight and there are fewer opportunities to work on, win rate starting becomes really important, but no one knows what to do about it. So, Usman, you are nodding your head. Yeah, I, I just like to add to what Gautam said. So first of all, I fully agree with that, with your diagnosis of what the situation and what led to this situation. But one of the negative outcomes of having this fragmented selling landscape is that the customer loses out. They're being handed off between SDRs Mm -hmm. to AEs, to solution engineers, to demand generation, to field marketing specialists. And that's a horrible experience that they're going through. And every time it's the same, the first conversation taking place multiple times during that process. The other flip side of that is, the, the technology landscape, the, the, the people that have been building technology have also been building technology for these silos. So SDR specific technologies, account reps, demand generation, prospecting. So the whole process has become broken down and it doesn't work. So it's not only that the whole cycle selling is, it, it, I think it's necessary. And I think that's the way it is. It's just exactly as you pointed out, a lot of money flushed into the system lot of demand out there, but we have got to go back to the basics because it's actually those basics that do work. And, and that's really how the customers would like to experience this. Now, the, the great thing about companies like ours, for example, and I'm sure in Gotham as well, is that we now have tools because there's so much data in the sales process that needs to be processed that we have tools we like to call AI, augmented intelligence, that can help process that data and actually allow that AI, AE, to actually do that full cycle selling with a lot more ease, actually. Right. Well, and one point you brought up that I think is really key is uh, I've oftentimes raised is this whole 
specialized sales roles, we'll call it, everybody sort of lumps it on the predictable revenue model. No one ever asked a buyer if they wanted to buy that way, right? This was imposed on them for the convenience of sales, the sales organization, so make no mistake about it, as well as referring to the tech stack is look at the tech stack. The thing that's missing with the tools is, again, they're all tools designed for the convenience of the seller, but they do nothing to help the buyer make their decision. And it's, this is this huge gap. We wonder why 75% of B2B buyers say, well, I just do not talk to a salesperson is because this is the environment that's been created. Shannon. That's a really good point is that when I started building sales enablement for the different teams, I came in not as this longtime technology expert. I came in as what does a buyer want to hear? Let's develop an enablement program for the buyer. And I would be forced to hand the, the sales teams these 30-slide decks that no buyer wants to sit through. And, and you're right. To the, it was all about how to empower the rep. And I do love, and, and Gautam, you are right, layoffs are never good. But when we have something like this happen, it forces everyone to start to rethink. It's like being on an elliptical. And before you can go the opposite way, you literally have to stop and rethink and start to focus on basic sales skills. Oftentimes you would have this big boom is, oh, we've got the leads coming in. It doesn't matter how we sell. Let's just go and crank out that number. And, and you start to go, okay, what are we all doing here? This doesn't seem very profitable. So I, for one, am, am loving this turn of events. And I think that it's going to make a huge difference for the buyer as well. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into this topic about how, because again, we have two gentlemen here who's comes to making AI-driven products in the sales space is, let's get to the heart of the question. The one I just sort of raised is, okay, how are these, not necessarily yours, but just in general, what we're seeing trend-wise, everything I see is, and like as, as reading a post yesterday or the day before, and this guy on LinkedIn touting, AI is gonna save you 10 hours a week. And because you saved this 10 hours a week, you're gonna suddenly start hitting quota. That's <laughs> like, dude, those two things aren't related at all. <laughs> but this is sort of the thinking that's going on around AI, right? It's like, saves time, hence you'll hit your number. It's like, well, no, you're still the same salesperson you were. You're just, if you're bad, if you got 20% win rate at 20 hours a week, you're gonna have a 20% win rate at 30 hours per week. So so what are we seeing in AI that is, and Usan, we started talking to us before we started recording, is it's, it's gonna enable the sellers to be more buyer-centric, to be, enable the, the sellers to help, really help the buyers Right, because this is why buyers are saying they don't want to talk to salespeople because they're not helping them do their job. So, what's coming that's in the tools that's really going to help that? Yeah. So again, going back to what I was saying, it's the basic. It's basics. The good salespeople, which is what we modeled our platform after, the top five percent. These are people that have really unique intelligence and intuitively they understand their prospects, their buyers, the the individuals. They understand the nature of the problems and the challenges a company faces. They have vast networks that feed them with intelligence about what's really happening within the company. And they understand what are the needs at an individual level. These are the basics. This is what made good salespeople good. Now, what has happened as a result of this fragmentation, uh, a great part of that, by the way, technology is, is responsible for that fragmentation of the selling side as well. The reason being, that we created such good technology about 10, 15 years ago that demand generation started, we started getting a lot of leads in. And then 
when you took those leads and handed it to the AEs, the qualification process started breaking down. So what they did is they inserted the SDRs between the lead generation and the AE as a way of qualification. Now, and subsequently more... Which uh, they don't do, by the way. Which they don't do, exactly. So what this AI does uh, is that we are now living in this hugely data-centric environment. There's breadcrumbs all over the place. There's a lot of data about companies, about people, their preferences, their habits, their psychometrics. All of this information is available today, right? So that good salesperson who knows how to use this information can now be supremely equipped with this intelligence to help them go back to the basics of knowing who their customer is, what their needs are, what their pain points are, and how to map their solutions. This is where augmented intelligence, not AI, but augmented intelligence is going to come mm-hmm. and help salespeople up their game. Uh, but to your point, it's going to be only those people that are motivated and that know how to sell that will be able to leverage this information even meaningfully. But it's going to become a lot more readily available to help them. Gautam, your take? This is top performing Webster, yes. Preparation, deal management, like enterprise selling, navigating complex sales cycles, mapping out accounts, preparing, following up. There's fundamentals that every, uh, and Shannon, I'm sure in enablement, you're training these things within like the top performing teams. I think where AI is particularly helpful is it's going to remove a lot of these repetitive, boring manual tasks that people should be doing, but they just don't like doing it. It takes time. I've been in enterprise sales for a long time and we can tell people, hey, read that 10K before you meet with them. Look for that 10K and look for like where they talk about digital transformation and then we'll do a training on it, but no one ever does it. Like the reality is maybe, I wouldn't even say 1%, maybe like 0.1% of sellers do it. And those are super large enterprise deals. And so now the AI is giving you that capability to just redo that 10K, highlight the parts that are relevant for that buyer, that seller. And yeah, and, and as an organization, as a selling organization, those boring tasks like researching people, understanding their background, reading like blogs, podcasts they've been on, that whole task, you can now automate that in a really nice right. way to get the relevant points. So I think, and that will have a knock-on effect to a lot of sellers, a lot of sellers, whether they do it or not. Um, There's platforms coming out that will help you, but that, I believe, will have a huge effect to the quality of selling that happens. Yeah, I I think in particular, what you're talking about there with being able to summarize all this information that's coming out, whether it's 10K, public filings, or podcast people on, so on and so forth, is that it really helps that initial point of connection, right? The ability to still fundamentally this business is you need to be able to form a connection with another human being and start building some level of trust. And I think that, you know, the power of this first impression, really the ability to create a strong first impression should improve if the sellers are using the tools appropriately to, you know, as Usman said, is, you know, follow the breadcrumbs and get this information at even at a high level so that you can connect more effectively. Yeah. That, I, was, I was a good, I had a good saying years ago. I think it was the best first meeting a sales rep ever does is their job interview. Because they prepare for it, they, but they never do it again. They prepare for it. They read everything about the company, everything about the employer, the hiring manager. 
they watch all the webinars, they do all this great level. So when they have that interview, because you know they're they've been interviewing for two, three hundred K job, they want to come across as well researched, intelligent. Right. But they don't take that into their AE role. They yep. do it for the first few meetings and then they just drop off again. So how can you allow them to keep that level throughout the rest of the year and throughout their sales career? Well, and so a question, Shannon, for you is, yeah, looking at these tools, Gartner Research came out a couple of months ago saying, hey, here are the nine most important factors that influence a buyer's selection of a vendor. And number one on the list far and away was trustworthiness. So as we look at this generation of tools, or even outside of the use of these tools, this seems like this is such a big first hurdle to Gautam's point about creating first impressions. Is how is that being trained? And then when AI starts coming, the augmented intelligence or you know, AI-driven tools, is how do we use those tools to facilitate building trust? That is a, a really good question because what I'm hearing and I read from some of the people on LinkedIn is what you, you all just said. Oh, if you use this tool, we've got it all and now go win. But the part <laughs> is that they're not thinking That's about cool. is let's take that information that you have just gathered, which is amazing. And I completely agree. Let the AI tool do all of the information gathering and feed it to me. But what am I going to do with that? I still don't know if I'm coming to sell to you, Andy. How are you going to take what I say about those things? I still have to read you. What kind of, how do you want to buy? Mm -hmm. If I come in really hard and heavy with all these facts that I've learned, that's all great and dandy. But if that just makes a wall go up, it doesn't help. So I think that when we come in and we enable sales reps, it's yes, you have this tool and it's going to now allow you to save time so you can go learn how to build trust human to human. And that is a part of enablement that has not really been delved into because enablement right. is how do you make a rep more effective and efficient? It's not just about product training. And this, I think, is a great opportunity. Somebody did use AI with me and I got tricked. And this is why it was it really burned me. But it was the whole software that this did was to go through and scrape my LinkedIn and talk to me the way my LinkedIn reads. So I thought it was someone who truly was sending me a message and wanted to talk to me. And nope, it was just the AI. And he, all he did was show up for the meeting. And that, oh, my trust was down, gone. You've lost it. So we really do have to be careful. And it's great for this one part, but that doesn't make our job. We don't have less work to do. We have different work to do. Yeah, when I think that, yeah, this is to me is, is a really fascinating point because we know, again, based on, on the data that's done by Gartner and others, is that, yeah, such a large fraction of B2B buyers unhappy with their experiences with sellers. Yet it's this buying experience that differentiates you as a seller to if you're a top performer, this is one of the things that sets you apart. Yeah, I'm really curious, just as like I said, as people's insights here is how are we going to be able to use the tools to, to help that, right, is to create these better buying experiences. Because sort of my, my vision is that everything is going to be sort of the same, right? As everybody starts deploying the technology more widely, and especially it's driven by large language models, uh, it seems like we have a certain sameness to the experience that, that the buyers have. And so the ability of the human to come in and, and accentuate that or, or create this even enhanced experience is really going to become more important, not less. Now, a word from Cognizant. 
Picture this, your revenue team armed with accurate B2B contact data that leaves missed opportunities and unreachable prospects in the past. Look no further than Cognizant, the B2B contact data provider that stands out with unwavering focus on data quality and coverage. Cognizant's U.S. data set alone offers two times more cell phone numbers than any other provider on the market. And it gets even better. Seven million human-verified cell phone numbers backed by a 98% accuracy rate deliver precision like you've never seen before. And if international business growth is on the horizon, Cognizant offers the most complete GDPR-compliant data in Europe, making your expansion dreams more attainable than ever. Customers like Drift have already experienced the power of Cognizant. In just 30 days, they proved ROI and now book 70% of their outbound meetings using Cognizant's cell phone data. But don't take our word for it. Get a free data sample and test the quality for yourself. Head over to Cognizant.com slash data sample to get your free data sample today. That's Cognizant.com slash data sample. Usman, what's your thought? Yeah, I agree with that. So I think there are two parts of this. So one is... I don't entirely agree with the sameness aspect that AI is going to generate sameness because there are varying parts of input that are going into the output that the AI generates, right? It's not just a large language model using words that sound similar. It's also what it's interpreting, not just the LinkedIn profile, but also the behavioral mindset of the individual now, of the company, Of the historical words. So just last night, I used our tool, which has this AI bot called Gilroy, to check you out, Andy. And I asked it, like, if I want to have one conversation Uh with Andy, um, how would I position XIQ? So what it did is it found out what you did, what were your key main points, and it had looked at your entire corpus of 1,100-plus podcasts that you had done in the past, the new ones, your book. And it told me these are the 10 main speaking points that I could coincide my solution. Then it also told me how I should approach you. And it told me that you had a book, right? Of course, I knew you had books, but it also told me that you had books. And I said, okay, summarize this book for me. What does it talk about? How can I use that book to help me have a better conversation? And it came out and told me, look, He's human-centric. He talks a lot about human design. He does not talk about the sales process, but more about how we don't need to be selling, but we need to be partnering. We need to be engaging. We need to have that human-to-human conversation. And it started resonating a lot. So I think that the information that the tool can or the platform can provide is definitely a differentiator, right? Now to Shannon's point that Mm -hmm. if the AI did all the talking and I didn't learn it and I didn't infuse myself into the equation, it's a failure. It actually works counterintuitively in that particular case. So the culture and the kind of people we hire have to be naturally inquisitive. The AI can actually help accelerate that process. And they have to still be people that are genuinely interested in being, talking to others. I was talking to the head of um, sales at NetApp, and this gentleman said that the nature of the person we recruit for selling, salespeople, is going to change. It's going to, diligence is going to become a big factor mm. versus the charisma that used to be there in the good old days where I had to take you out and to a golf course and wine and dine you. That's going to be reduced. But my currency with you in winning that trustworthiness 
has to be the information mm-hmm. I learned about the market and the information I learned about you and combine them together in a manner that I can communicate to you so you can ingest it and find it valuable. I think, and the person that does that puts that kind of jigsaw puzzle together, even though AI might help them do that, is a different person than the prototypical salespeople we've had in the past. Interesting. Yeah. That's a great answer. I, I, so where do you see curiosity falls into that? Because, you know, there's this tendency in sales, and you know, so I think it's just human nature, is, you know, to want to fall back to recipes, right? I mean, this is, I've got this ICP, this is, you know, you said you you looked at me and, and use your tool, but the good seller is going to take that and say, okay, well, this is just a framework. So it's going to trigger my curiosity. Having seen all this, what am I going to ask that's going to be something that will cause them to stop and think? Yeah. Like the person I'm talking yeah. to. So, and, be, and this yeah, is, sorry. No, well, I, said, I think finish. this is, is such a critical element that's missing in, in sales is because, and this is why I think we see data about the buyer experiences that sellers mindset is not, Hey, I'm here to help. It's, Hey, I'm here to sell. Yeah. And that's how the buyer experiences it. But that's going to change, right? That's what, what this gentleman was talking about, that the prototypical, the behavioral mindset of this, the, the seller has to change. We cannot be recruiting the same kind of people we have for the last 30, 40 years. It's going to be a different person. It's, I talk to, I'm sure all of you do as well, to a lot of sales leaders. And what they're increasingly talking about is, I'm wearing, wearing my data scientist hat now, right? Now I'm wearing my sales hat. And switching between the two is, is a challenge, right? I have to be able to do that. Not everybody can do that, first of all, right? But it's necessary. And so yeah. that curiosity piece that you're talking about is very important. And I think those are new uh, skills that we need to start looking at. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the, the current, I like talking to people who are going to add value, just like everybody else, going to add value to what I already know. Enhance my value, you win my trust. You win my trust, I'm 10 steps closer to giving you business than I was just before that, right? And I think that has to become much more prevalent. And the tools can significantly help you get to that point, but you have to be a person that can leverage that information and personalize it and use it, right? In that human-to-human equation. So, Gautam, to the point Usa is making, as how's this affected the way you're hiring people as you're growing your company. Yeah, and I think there's one point. I think we've, for the last 10, 15 years of this predictable revenue model, everyone was so process-orientated, like overly process-oriented. Like every time you're hiring salespeople, it was, are you trained in medic, medpick? (laughs) And it was like, what are you doing for pipeline generation? How many dials right. are you making? How many activities right. are you making? Blah, blah. And as it, I like to say, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it was, you couldn't see an AE role advertised without medic, must be medic. And so everyone got infatuated with this, their, their qualification frameworks. And it was more about, I need to get these answers, put them into Salesforce so my boss does not shout at me. And actually, they lost that natural inquisitiveness that makes great salespeople really good. The good people were still doing it alongside those qualification frameworks. So I think we kind of entered this area where we turned salespeople into robots. We turned them into activity machine, qualifying machines. And I actually think 
we're moving back to a more natural sales style. And as we hire now, we're growing. We've hired a few AEs in the last few months. I still look for the kind of fundamentals. We are more for, I would say for us, we're more for transactional sale than like a six, 12 month enterprise. Mm -hmm. We're kind of 30 to 60 day sales cycle. He's handling like 10 deals a month. So we're looking for this kind of enthusiastic, high energy person, but we're still dealing with revenue leaders who are transactional in themselves. So we're looking for the inquisitive, they're curious, they're enabling technology, they're building relationships, and they're just doing, they're doing five roles. They're like machines at prospecting, they're using technology, they're using our platform a lot, exactly. They're qualifying deals inside out, they're deal management. So we're looking for solid all-rounders who can kind right. of do it all. So a question is, and this is harkening back to a point, forget who made it, I think maybe Usman made it earlier, is, there you go, so we talked about, hey, we sort of impose this predictable revenue sales model on the customers, whether they wanted it or not. But I'm a subscriber to the idea that the jobs to be done theory, that basically buyers are, if you put it in the sales context, I think buyers basically are hiring sellers to help them make a decision to make a change in their business. And I ask sales leaders this all the time. It's, you know, when they're talking about hiring, I said, so have you ever gone out and asked your buyers what they want your salespeople to be? What do they need from your salespeople in order to help them get their job done? And it seems like this is still quite an open loop that should be closed, is that if you make a hiring decision and you're working with customers that have a specific set of requirements, they work in a certain business, they may have certain things they're looking for that would help make their job easier, yet we don't seem to hire against those criteria or even know what those criteria are. That That's incredible, the way you're, you pose that, because... There's a, when I'm looking at what personally we're buying, this is a software for an arborist, somebody who runs crews and the, that buyer, they're not in front of a Zoom camera all day long. They are probably sitting in their truck with their phone, logging in to call for this salesperson. And, and so it's a whole different way that they need to be. And me coming from the tech world into being the buyer for this, I kind of get a little bit more, I don't want to say critical, but my ears are tuned into, okay, are you speaking to me, the buyer? Because I train right. salespeople on how to do this. And they don't necessarily have that. It still feels to me it's run like a typical sales team. Go get your number, ask the right questions. And that brings me back to you both. You all said curiosity. And I, I come to that and someone can be curious, but they don't listen. Oh, and that um, is such a big well, part of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I buy that, right? Can you be curious without listening? Because I think Well, I think they maybe use the word go be curious, meaning go ask questions. They're but just, maybe yeah, they're, they're not really, right. they, they, in their mind, yeah, I'm curious, I'm asking you the questions, but are yeah. they taking that answer and then really on the fly switching the way their sales conversation is going or reading that Zoom call and feeling the silence on the other end? And I think that is something that I would like to think the AI is going to maybe even, Usman, you said you plugged in this tool and figured out of Andy. I'm sure there's a way for Gautam, you and Usman to plug in your ICP and figure out what kind of buyers are they typically? Are they huggy people? Are they more distant? They don't want any good feelings to where we can make that easier on reps because I think it still is... Figuring out what another human wants is not always easy. 
And now, a message from Closed. An often overlooked way to improve your win rate is to identify and close win-back opportunities. After conducting tens of thousands of buyer interviews, Closed has found that 10% of closed loss deals have the potential to be won back at some point in the future. Now, identifying these win-back opportunities early and knowing when and how to follow up could be worth millions. Closed recently helped one of their customers identify and win a $500,000 win-back opportunity within days of it being marked as closed lost. Closed automatically reached out to perform a win-loss interview when the deal was marked closed lost in the CRM. And the buyer said, well, actually, we're still interested and we're ready to sign the contract. Closed is finding win-back deals on a daily basis for their clients. How about for you? To help you get started receiving the value of consistent, direct, candid feedback from your buyers, Closed is offering all my listeners a free gift. Just go to winlosstoolkit.com and they'll send you a bunch of valuable tools to help you get your win-loss program started. The toolkit includes a comprehensive guide to running a successful win-loss program, an ROI calculator, and they'll even perform your first win-loss interview for free to help you see the value of getting feedback directly from your buyers. So to claim your gift, visit winlosstoolkit.com. That's winlosstoolkit.com. And now a message from Alego. Are you struggling to make your sales team more efficient and improve time to productivity? With Alego's modern revenue enablement platform, marketing sales and enablement teams get on the same page for continuous improvement. So break through all the noise and deliver the buying experiences that your buyers today demand. Enable faster ramp times for your rep and more revenue for your business in less time. See how it all can work for you. Go to alego.com slash demo. That is alego.com slash demo. What's well, not? And I think that's one of the things I think is so promising about what we're talking about here today with some of the technologies. As I like to say is... One of my, my pithy sayings is, is we're reasonably good at training humans how to be sellers, but we have this huge gap in training sellers how to be human. And I think this is the gap that oftentimes exists between the sellers and the buyers is that sellers think, yeah, I've got to make so many activities. I've got so many calls, so many meetings. Yeah, everything's about me and what I need and not about the buyer and what they need. And if we can, yeah, I'm holding out hope that, that we can use this technology, this transformative, transformative technology, say, look, let's get the right mindset into, into salespeople, right? And how do we reinforce this? Because I think this, to me, it often it just really boils down to mindset. If you think your job is to persuade somebody to buy something from you as opposed to help them make a decision, as I wrote about in my last book, those two separate paths of action you're going to follow. And for most yeah. sellers, they think their job is to persuade somebody to buy something. Yeah, I will add to that. Uh, what I wanted to say is that there's a today it's very fashionable, it's early stage, it's very fashionable to beat up on AI and say, oh, well, I can turn a human into a robot. But let's take a look at the humans that are already out there doing the predictable selling. And I think one of the That's things that... That was Gautam's point, right? <laughs> yeah, one of the things that predictable selling has done has made a lot of contrived people out there. And the traditional saying mm -hmm. in sales is people buy from people they trust, but also people they like, right? That like part is usually dropped off from mm -hmm. the last part of that sentence, but it's also the likability. And the likability means that you have to be a genuine person. And a couple of things that, have, that we've experienced in our recruitment is 
it's a generational gap as well. I come from the enterprise space. I've been in large B2B sales kind of environments in entire career, right? So I have seen that. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen is that the top sales guys were actually the people that you would not even notice in a room. And, and the guys that were the flashy people right. that were really out there, they were not the top sales guys. It was the quiet, silent types, right? They were using their eyes, they were using their ears, and they were using their mouth in that order, right? They were listening, they were hearing, and they were right. speaking less, and those were the guys that moved the bar. That's who impressed us. Now, the interesting thing is that a lot of the selling tools and the environment has changed. It's very little stuff happening on the golf course. Yes, it does. Executive st selling still happens on the golf course. But there's a lot of pre-selling that happens on Zoom and in videos. And people not knowing when to turn off their cameras, where to look, um, how to behave is a big difference. Now, when I say generational, the curiosity, ability to use the normal, the, the modern tools, and the ability to use social media, because social selling is genuinely a, a, a factor these days, right? You do generate demand from social selling, and you do build your reputation from social selling. And the younger generation is intuitively, they're born with this somehow or the other. They know how to look good on cameras and be in the right location, use the right light, say things, look charming. And so they're already there. What they're lacking is that wisdom of those the experienced salespeople, the two eyes, two ears, and one mouth person, right? And the information set. And that's where AI comes in. So let's not kind of just beat up on AI all the time. I see that so much, right? And there's a lot of this going on in, in especially the sales coaching environment. Like, hey, AI, this and that. No. AI is a major enabler. We are not going to go back from AI. We're only going to move forward. We've got to figure out how we bring that in. And right. it's the person that needs to be the right person who can actually ingest that and come across as that trustworthy, curious, likable person. Likeability is a huge factor we don't talk about in sales. Gotham, I'm sure you have things What's, to add. Yeah, to it's interesting. There's, yeah, I think for sure. I think. In terms of where AI, and I think you're right, I think there's a lot of people who will beat up on it. And I think you'll see on LinkedIn every day, oh, my job's safe. I've just seen this email coming from AI. And they'll send, they'll have like a template of like a really generic AI email. Right, right. And actually, they'd be, and then, and it's funny, when, whenever we speak to customers, they'll say, we, we like to do this level of research. We do these things. We spend hours. And actually, what I would love to say to some of these customers is, do you mind showing me the last like hundred emails that got sent out from your organization? You've said that you're you're enabling, you're doing all these great things, but the reality is they're sending the same static sequence right. to every single person. But yet they have a, such a high expectation of this new technology. So they're hoping this technology does all the things that they're not doing today. And so when you see people like beating up on AI, I think it's I think that. They're, they're taking really poor examples of like something that's not been well-researched, not well-written. I think it came back to actually one of the original points, but isn't everything going to end up the same? If we're all using the same technology and we're all researching, I think, but I think there's, you're already seeing personality coming out. And this is really early in our journey. 
right. custom prompts, different research styles, different types of tones of languages. You can start to use your personality within this now, today. So fast forward 12, 18 months, and I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that as well. Yeah, my comment about the sameness was, we just look at the way people are using technology in general these days, right? Is Yeah, I think that the people who are, inject themselves into it or use it to become... I said more, I love the phrase from Jeffrey Colvin's book about humans are underrated. He said in the world of AI, the humans who learn how to become more intensely human will be the ones that are more likely to thrive, right? So it's not that you're not using technology, you're using it to help you become more human in a way that sets you apart from the way most people are going to use the technology, which will create this blandness. So I, th I think the blandness is the opportunity to differentiate yourself, not a hit on the technology. It's just if you're smart about how you want to use it, you can use it to differentiate yourself in crowded markets, which is really the yeah. game, right? I'd like to add one question too about likability. I just didn't want that. No, please go ahead. Well, I was just going to say about likability. It's just, it, it's funny how that's become so controversial. When you talk about likability, direct. I guarantee about half the people will flip out and say, you don't need to be likable. What are you talking about? Buyers don't, they don't want to be your friend. I said, well, they're not talking about being your friend. They're just talking about being likable. Yeah. And, and I, I posted something once that said, it costs you nothing to be a good person. You would have thought I had insulted people's religion. People went crazy about this. It costs you everything to be a good person. And I'm like, really? I really don't think it does, but I'm not sure I want to get into your backstory if you think it costs you everything to be a good person because the bar is pretty low to that. And I agree with you. I think likability, again, it's one of these things that costs you nothing. So if, if the difference between winning and losing is, let's assume it's razor thin difference, right? Is do the things that you have control over that, that cost you nothing. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be likable? I mean, I, I don't get too sidetracked, but this is, that's one of my triggers. It's like, anyway, yes. Whenever you're doing enterprise selling and you mean 20, 30 buyers from one deal, is that conversation you have by the coffee machine, by the water cooler, where you're building relationships, you're understanding about their commute, their family, their kids. That's where you make that human connection. And then, you know, when you're following up on the email and that, that you're building on, the, the, those things are so underrated today, especially with the Zoom selling and right. we're not meeting our customers. But I think it's, we need to see more of it. Yeah, we need to go travel more and meet people in person. Yeah. Usman, you're saying? I was going back to what Gotham was saying earlier about these repetitive kind of people saying that AI is going to be one color, one size fit all approach. And I'm looking at a lot of human written emails. I Almost 90% of emails that I receive start off as if they know me already, right? Never met. And they write a little brief yeah. sentence, which is a little bit cryptic in paragraph. Okay, so I ignore right. it. It sounds, right off the bat, it sounds contrived. You're not my friend. I don't really know you. And you're picking this up as if you're assuming a lot of things, number one. Number two, I get the second email about a week ago. And it says, just one sentence. Did you have a chance to look at my email? And what did you think about it? And I'm like, <laughs> I am like furious. I'm red. I've got smoke coming out of my, every, my nose and my ears. Just like, like, just like me. Yes. Yeah. Right? I hate that. And that's your human experience today. Right. Right. That's what we have cultivated over yeah. the last 15, 20 years, Gotham, right? That's what has really been coming out through this predictable revenue model, fragmented, et cetera. Hey, talk to them as if you know this. And Shannon, that's 
I think where the enablement challenge lies is how do you take that out, those bad habits out? And I'm almost seeing that. And one other thing I'd like to add to that, even though we sell all this highly personalized emails, we have salespeople that do almost exactly that. They discard all of that and they go back to exactly that one size fit all template approach. So it's not necessarily the technology that's around you, it's the person. And that person, that's where I am kind of focused in looking at like who is a good potential seller. And it's A, we're taking them fresh out of school because there's a whole new set of rules that these guys are intuitively already kind of plugged into in how you, the operational rules, so to say. And then there's the etiquette right. and the cultural rules. And that's where the education needs to come in, right? And that's where the personality and yeah. the type of person needs to come in. And it's very difficult to take the old predictable salespeople that are out there and move them into this new model. That's my experience. I don't know how everybody else feels about it. it no, I, I think you're generally right, Shannon. One of the things that um, someone said to me yesterday was, and I think this is where it comes into, it's not the necessarily the person that is de dehumanizing the, the email, but we are trained in corporate to automate, automate, automate. And so then we get into, okay, how do I automate every single section of my life? And so then there goes the automated email that you flip one word in there and all of a sudden it's personalized. But they said yesterday, systemize the process, but humanize the script. And we have to understand that those emails, even what we pull out of AI is not meant to copy and paste. It's meant to look at the idea, go go study that person. You've got to take five minutes to study something about them and, and humanize it the best way that you can. And I don't think that there is going to be a silver bullet to an email. I think all of us, we, Usman, you just said, you've got to trust, you've got to like them, you've got a, a relationship. How are you going to do that in one email? You mean you don't um, believe the thousands of people that post every day on LinkedIn about the perfect email subject line and the perfect, yeah. Yes. Wait, Cold you don't believe calling them? is dead. Yeah. You don't <laughs> believe them? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think your point is right. It's right. It's how we utilize this, I said, to become a better human version of ourselves, right? And we're talking to our buyers and we've gone through this period. I think where we've, I don't know, I, I always sort of get amused when I talk to younger sellers and they talk about how hard it is to do cold outreach. And I'm saying, well, why is it so hard? They said, go, oh, it's harder, much harder than it was before. I said, well, why do you think so? And we said, well, because all these emails and inboxes are loaded. I said, sure. But when I got started selling back in the dark ages, A, every message went through a receptionist. And the number of messages that actually got through the person was very small, right? Because you're calling CEOs. Their executive admin was sitting there filtering the messages they were going to get. I don't know if you guys remember, but... Again, I'm unfortunately old enough to, before there was direct inward dialing, before people had individual phone numbers at companies, before they had cell phones, try getting hold of people in those environments. You could not, right? Before there were digital switches, I was cold calling companies in Europe and Asia and yeah, going through an operator. This is, it's just, fact is, it's just hard work today. And you have to be able to figure out your path and use the technology right to, it's never going to be easy, but at least have it align with who you are. And if it's authentic, then I think that authenticity is something that actually sort of shines through. Mindfulness. And, and it changes, right? I think you, you 
uh, yeah it changes from month to year right the, the with the channels the tone the way people like to be approached the types of messages the research and and, and everyone's seen this like we've, we've seen things that worked really well for us as a business a year ago or even a month ago right and then and then literally a month later it's not working and because it's competitive out there i, I think last look there was a million one million sdrs in the u.s alone today and so yeah. you think about how many really bad emails are getting sent out every day <laughs> About six billion, I think, is the number. Yeah, <laughs> the big one. So, six billion. Right. I hope this email finds you well. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we've run out of time. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate everybody and their insights here today as we start to tackle this, this interesting topic. So, just before we go, if people just tell us how we can connect with you, Shannon, best way to reach out, people want to follow up with you? Uh, follow me on LinkedIn, Shannon Hempel. I am. Um, ready and eager to talk to anybody about how they can best enable their team in this crazy market and rethink the way the way we bring enablement to sales teams with this Perfect. new technology yeah linkedin as well gotham rishi or just look at oneshot.ai book a demo i'm happy to talk to our kind of platform as well and, and how that works around ai prospecting and make sure you support arsenal and usman yeah, LinkedIn is a good one, Usman Sheikh at XIQ. And uh, our website, just like Gotham said, xiqinc.com. Book a demo, put a little note, and I'll personally show up. Excellent. Oh, I like that offer. That's great. Well, all of you, thank you so much. And you're all welcome to come back at any time and continue the conversation. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode of the WinRate Podcast. First of all, I want to thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen. And I want to thank my guests, Usman Sheikh, Galdan Rishi, and Shannon Hempel for sharing their insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, the WinRate Podcast with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're doing that, also subscribe to my weekly newsletter, WinRate Wednesday, which you can do at my website, andypaul.com or by visiting my LinkedIn profile. Again, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.